Well, I want to welcome all those that are joining us on Facebook Live right now as well, Church Online. I'm so excited to have you again. I'm Pastor Steve, and we are honored that you're with us in the fifth week of a series that we've been teaching all the way through the Lenten period. It's called Jesus Is. You know, it's something about teaching about Jesus and who he is. As a matter of fact, as I've been studying over the last, gosh, man, uh, months and months and months preparing for this series and then really teaching into this series and leaning in. Uh, we're, we're looking at the different traits of Jesus, the different characteristics, the different aspects of his personality. And we're, and we're, we're looking at Jesus is, for example, the teacher we, a couple weeks ago. Jesus is different traits. Jesus is the shepherd. Last week we talked about who Jesus is in our life as, as he manifests his power in our life. Today, I, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about Jesus is. Jesus is a miracle worker. There's a lot of discussion, of course, in our world. There's been for generations about, about miracles. Whether miracles are real today, maybe you. Maybe you bleed for a miracle and you really wanted something to happen. I mean, you really put your faith there and yet, yet it, didn't, it didn't turn out the way that you thought. The question is why. The question is, you know, did I pray right or, 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 or was there something that I didn't understand about that I want to talk to you today. Matter of fact, I want to look at the very first miracle that Jesus ever performed. There's a lot of misconceptions that people have. A lot of people think, well, you know what, Jesus was, uh, a matter of fact, I heard this before. Well, you know, Jesus, when he's a young boy, he's just with his friends, you know, and he's just kind of doing his things. And one day he just took something and just kind of threw it. Well, that's not in the Bible. We don't see one recorded miracle in the canon of scripture until Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And then after that, God's power began to rest upon Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit anointed him when he was baptized in the baptismal waters with John in the Jordan River. And I'm telling you, signs and wonders and miracles followed that event. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. I want to look at the very first miracle that Jesus ever performed. Let's discover Let's see as we study this miracle. Is there something in this? Is there something in this very first miracle that, that gives us a clue of how Jesus does his miracles? John chapter 2, if you're following along, I know on Facebook Live and online as well, they've got scriptures. And, and as I make my points, the points will come up. Man, if you guys have something to write down, you may want to do that. Of course, you're making comments as well online. John chapter 2, verse 1. Here's what the Bible says. Now, on the third day, there was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Look at verse 2. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to that wedding. And when, they'd run, when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. I want you to think about this just for a moment. There's not a single detail in any account of Scripture that just happens accidentally. Matter of fact, there's, there's no part. We believe all of the Bible is inspired by God. We believe that God used, yes, human authors, but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And there's nothing that's put in the Bible by happenstance or just by accident. 
And it's interesting, the fact that this miracle is on the backdrop of a wedding is important all by itself. Why? Because weddings, there's a unique characteristic about weddings. There's high expectations in weddings. The bride and the groom, man, they've been waiting and they've been preparing and they've been doing all this stuff. Do I have the right dress? And do, who are my friends? And who's going to come? And do I have all the stuff? And what tux are we going to wear? And what color is it going to be? And what about matching? I mean, there are high expectations in weddings. Matter of fact, I've, I, got you, I don't know how many weddings that I've actually officiated over. I've been a pastor for 20 years, but in ministry seven years before that, uh, 25, 26, 27 years, I mean, a lot of weddings. And by the way, when you, when, when, you, when you officiated a wedding, you have the opportunity to see all kind of things. I'll never forget, <laughs> this is so funny, uh, that there was, of course, the bride, she's, she's walking down and the groom's already up there with the, with the preacher, you know, and, 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 and the pastor. It's really interesting, and the, or the priest. And it's, it's, as, as, she's, as she's walking down, one of the very last things that happens is what? The dad will, will, will lift the veil and, and, and give a kiss to his daughter on the cheek and, and then turn and shake the groom's hand. There's a, there's a giving away of the bride. Of course, the mom and dad. But the dad performs that act. I'll never forget one time where, where the dad went to lift up the veil and kind of slipped and he kind of jarred his daughter in the chin. A little bit of a jab there. I began to think to myself, I looked at the groom. I kind of, my eyes got big. I thought, you better be careful with that woman. I mean, it's anything can happen at a wedding, but there's high expectations for things to be perfect. And they rarely are. Little did this bride and groom realize that the very moment that they had planned for for many, many years, who knows how long, who knows how much energy went into it, and their expectations were high, but things didn't turn out the way that they thought. I began to think about this as I studied this story afresh this week. I, I began to think about how many times we have expectations in our lives and things don't turn out the way that we thought. Maybe in a job situation. I mean, think about what all of us are going through, not only in our community, but in our nation and even the world, where, where we had expectations, maybe professionally, and things have now adjusted, and we're trying to figure it out, and, and disappointment comes. I mean, maybe something happened in a relationship, and Man, you had high hopes, and man, there was an excitement. I don't think as a pastor, when I look in the eye of a, of a bride and a groom, I, I don't think anybody, as I'm leading them through their vows, and they're going through that, I don't think anybody's thinking, you know, this will last a week, or this is going to last a year. High expectations, and things don't turn out sometimes. Maybe it's with the child, and Things didn't turn out the way you thought. And man, you just thought, well, I'm going to put the word of God in their heart. And, and you pray high expectations, but yet things don't turn out the way that you thought. In this story, it's very powerful. The very first miracle that Jesus ever performs, we have a high expectation. And yet, and yet things didn't turn out the way initially, the way that they thought. In, the, in this wedding account, the real problem is, is that the wine is gone. I want you to understand the difference between a, 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 a biblical wedding for Jewish people and, and the weddings that we would have today. A wedding that we would have today, the, the main point really was it, it is the wedding. The reception is wonderful. 
and it's fun and people get to do whatever they do at the reception and you you know sometimes they'll play music in the oldies and you'll see people doing this you know they don't have it anymore you know what I'm talking about still trying to dance and whatnot and so in in our culture the wedding is the point and the reception it's it's nice but the wedding is I mean that's the main deal it's actually just the opposite in Bible times the the wedding was I mean it was important but but the reception was everything. Matter of fact, it was a party. It was a feast. It was a festival, sometimes lasting even up to seven days. It's a big deal. And for Jewish people at weddings to drink wine and the, 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 the feasting and the eating of food and the drinking of wine was a very, very big deal. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what? went through the mind of the bride and the groom and the family members when, 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 when people began to realize the wine, the wine is gone. As a matter of fact, when Jesus comes into the situation to do this miracle, he was alerted to the very fact that, 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 that the wine was gone. And I'm going to tell you something. When that happened, how many people found out about it? We actually don't know all of that. But we do know that, 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 that Mary, the mother of Jesus, that she found out about it. And it's always interesting how people respond. How, how you and I respond to disappointment. How you and I respond when, when disappointment knocks on the door and tries to come in the house. And joy tries to leave the house. How do we respond? Number one, the first thing that we do when we experience missed expectations. And we're dealing with a lack of joy because of that. Number one, the very first thing that we do is that we try to, we try to take control. We try to take control. You know what? I guess I, I guess I better do something, Mary thought to herself. I, I better do something because this is a wedding and, 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 and there's no wine. And so I better take control. Now, we, 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 we honor Mary and, and, and being the mother of Jesus. But, but, but I got to tell you something. She was still a human being. What's interesting is, is that Mary was trying to take matters into her own hand. By the way, by the way, by the way, the problem wasn't Mary's problem. The, the, the problem was, was well, it was, it, was, it was their problem. It was the bride's problem. It was the groom's problem. And, and what happens when, when we're in a situation like this is, is that sometimes we, we try to control things that we shouldn't be controlling and, 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 and we try to control things that other people should be trying to deal with and control. And the fact of the matter is, is that in our lives, we try to control things that only God can control. How many times in our lives do we freak out are we filled with fear? Are we filled with anxiety when the reality is that's not our concern? It's God's concern. It's not our concern. It's God's concern. Listen, quit, quit switching the price tags. Let God be concerned about what God's supposed to be concerned about and let us be concerned about what we're supposed to be concerned about. I got a good, good news for you. Even the things that we're concerned about, God's concerned about those. The very first thing that happens in my own life, I think about in my own life, I go through disappointment, I adrenalize up, and I want to, and that's where some people are right now. We want to take control of ourselves. It doesn't mean that we don't make smart decisions. It doesn't mean that we don't assess and we do scenario planning, but I'm going to tell you something. We are not in control of our lives if we belong to God. The second thing that happens when disappointment sets in and joy goes is, is that we amplify the negative. 
Look at verse 3. The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. They have no wine. Well, I want to say this in this story. They have no wine. It's part of it. I mean, they're at a wedding. They have all their family and their friends around. And the reality is, is that wine was a big deal for the wedding. So there was a legitimate thing that was submitted. The problem is, the problem is, is that we can miss out on the beauty of the good things when we're focusing on the wrong thing. All of us can do that. We can lose sight of the fact that there's a festivity of a, of a, of a young man and a young woman that have come together in holy matrimony, and, and, yet, and yet the focus was there's no wine. In other words, the focus is, yeah, but. And we can lose out on even the beauty of what God is doing because of the natural things that we see. Many of you have, many of us have been in our homes for weeks now. And uh, we can miss out on what God is actually saying to us in this. We can, we can get negative. We can, we can amplify the negative so much. And by the way, watch what's going in our eye gate. Watch what's going in our ear gate. Watch what's coming out of our mouth gate. And again, I believe it's important for us to be equipped, but I'm going to tell you something. Be very careful that we don't meditate on the negative so that all we do is declare the negative. The fact of the matter is, is that God doesn't have a problem with us coming before him and declaring what the problems are, but are we spending more time on the problems than the solutions? Are we putting more emphasis on the challenges, the missteps, the problems? All of the obstacles, all of the adversity around us, they had no wine. Yeah, we got that, but, 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 but we're forgetting who also is involved. <laughs> we're forgetting that Jesus is here. And let me just say this. Please, I want to encourage you. God does not have a problem with us bringing problems to him. But at some point in time, we need to match our problems with his promises. And we need to see all those problems with the promise of God. We're struggling with our health. We need to get healing scriptures. We're struggling financially. We need to get God's provision scriptures. We're struggling with anxiety. We need to get peace be still scriptures. In other words, yes, come to God with your problems, but also meditate on his promises. We've got to be careful to not go negative. When disappointment sets in, it happens to all of us. The third thing that happens here is that we tend to focus on the natural. Look at John chapter 2, verse 3 again. It says that they, that, that they, that they ran out of wine. They, they, they ran out of wine. There's no wine here. And so what are they going to do? Again, that was a natural problem. We have natural challenges. We have natural circumstances that we're dealing with. But can I tell you this? We also have supernatural connection with God. We also have supernatural. Be careful to not reduce your life down to what you feel, what you taste, what you hear, what you see, and what you can touch. God is a supernatural God. And yes, we live in a natural world. And yes, we have natural concerns. But can I tell you something very closely and very clearly? We have one foot in the natural and we have one foot in the supernatural. God is a supernatural God. What are you dealing with right now? Make sure, listen, make sure, as I've said, make sure that we're not trying to control our own lives, but we're submitting to the control of an awesome and sovereign God. Number two, make sure that we're not 
amplifying the negative, but we're matching all of those challenges with God's promises. God is a good God. God will take care of us. God will speak to us. God will direct us. Number three, we've got to watch when disappointment comes that, that we don't focus on the natural so much, but we are people of faith. You're a man or a woman of faith. You know God. We put our faith in God's word. We, we, we follow the spirit of God. So Pastor Steve, what do we do? I don't want to meditate on the negative. I, I don't want to try to take control of my own life. I, I, I don't want to just live by my natural feelings because there's so much fear out there. The more you meditate on what you see, the more you meditate on what you feel, there's, well, how do I get out of that? In other words, how do I position myself, Pastor, to see the miraculous in my life? I want to be a candidate for the miraculous in my home, with my family, with my kids, in my community, in the church in which I'm a part of, in my businesses. I think there's some things that we can do. In my remaining time, I'm going to give you three things. I want everybody to can because we don't want to lose out on what God has for our lives. We want to participate in the miraculous. We want God to do, listen, we want God, I'm believing as your pastor, man, that God meets you, that God speaks to you, but there's things that we need to do. There's things that we need to not, not do, but there's also things that we need to do. Watch this. Let me give you three. This is, this is how to set ourselves up for the miraculous. It's very important, the very first thing, and I want you to write this down. It's an important one. Do whatever Jesus tells you to do. Yes, they were out of wine. Yes, there was a challenge. Yes, there was a disappointing, potential disappointing situation. Yes, people could have freaked out about it. But right in the midst, right in the midst of where you are, right in the midst of your situation, sir, right in the midst of your situation, number one, look at verse five. His mother told the servants, and this is the key, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. If we want to see Jesus do a miracle in our lives, we've got to do what he tells us to do. We get this from the very next part of the story because Mary remembers she's the one that came to Jesus and said, we've got a problem. But then the, the, the others came and said, okay, we've got, we, we, now they're recognizing everybody's right. And by the way, by the way, by the way, problems tend to multiply. That's why we've got to have the word from God. <laughs> uh, we, we've got to have God's perspective and God's mindset and thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That Mary, listen, and Mary, look, she knew there was something unique about Jesus. She raised that boy. And here they come, and they're starting to questioning, and, and all of a sudden, Jesus, look, Mary's like, look, let me just tell you this. I raised this boy. This boy's different. He's unique. He's not just a common guy, all right? And I'm going to tell you something. Listen, listen. Whatever he tells you to do, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Because when you do it, listen, you are positioning yourself for the miraculous. It's so interesting. I was thinking about this whole story. I was thinking about Mary, and I was thinking about the very fact. Isn't it interesting? Somewhat ironic that his mom was at the very, all of the disciples and his mom was at that very first, that very first moment when he did a miracle. And I think it's so interesting because his mom had to tell everybody, guys, let me tell you, he's the real deal. You better listen to him. And I want to say this to all of us right now. We better listen to what God says. <laughs> Let me tell you, when circumstances put pressure on us, we need, to, we need to make sure we've got pressure in the right place. Let's keep the pressure on the promises of God and not let our circumstances squeeze us. Let's squeeze God's word. In other words, whatever God tells you to do. What is God speaking to you about? 
How's God telling you to make some adjustments? What is God telling you? Who's he telling you to call? Who's he telling you to encourage to get, get, get your eyes off your own situation? Again, God knows you're in a tough spot, but you serve a big God that in one moment of time, he can speak to you. And one moment of time, the miraculous can be released in your life. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Don't mess it up. Don't, don't try to plan it. Listen, don't try to think it through. Don't try to overanalyze it. Whatever he tells you to do, sir, whatever God tells you to do, do it. Whatever he tells you to do. The problem is that we want to rationalize. We want to go over in our mind. And, and our, our minds can get in the way so often. I know mine can. Man, we, my mind, I start thinking about things. I can, I, can, I can often talk myself out of faith if I listen to my own brain. And the fact of the matter is that our mind needs to be, here's the problem. The problem is that we often start from our head and then go to our heart. We ought to live out of our heart and let our heart inform our head. Why is that, Pastor? I'll tell you why. Because our thoughts are not God's thoughts. Listen, I'm not trying to get my, my, God's thoughts to line up with my thoughts. I want my thoughts to line up with God's thoughts. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible in Isaiah chapter 55, and this is so important because oftentimes when God tells us to do something, we filter it through our own thought patterns. Well, that's not going to work. That doesn't make sense. Listen, I said this so respectfully. Since when does what you think makes sense is equivalent to what God is telling you in his words? How many of you know when somebody offends you and you're reading the Bible and you're like, and God says, forgive. And you're like, that, no way, man. God, kill him. Wait, time out, time out, time out. How many of you know it doesn't make sense to pray for your enemies? That doesn't make sense, but it's God. Whatever he tells you to do, sir, do it. Isaiah chapter 55, this is so powerful. He says, for my thoughts, they're not your thoughts. You got to see this. You got to understand that. You're, listen, here it is. Here's our thoughts. and Here's God's thoughts. Let's make sure that we're not trying to get God to line up with our thoughts because he won't. Let's get our thoughts, our mind submitted to his thoughts, his word, the power of his spirit. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Look at verse 9. This is so powerful. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I'm going to date myself just a little bit right here. But uh, you guys remember in the late 80s, the commercial that was so big? Listen, I, 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 I'm not suggesting at all God got anything from them. They got something from God. Okay, but you guys remember the Nike commercial? Come on, y'all remember that Nike? Just, come on, say it, just, say it in your homes. Come on, say it, just do it. And I would say to you that whatever God tells you to do, do it. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's contrary to your natural, rational mind, obey God. And as you do, you're positioning yourself for the miraculous. Number one, if we want to be positioned for the miraculous in our life, the very first thing that we need is we need to obey God and do whatever he says. I wrote this down. If you've always, if you and I always have to understand everything about God before we obey God, then we'll never see a miracle. If we'll simply obey what he says. There's a reality that if we we'll obey what he says, he's bigger than us. He's larger than us. He's got this thing under control. Whatever he says to do, do it. Number two. The second thing that I see in this story is that seek out what God wants to do in you as well. You know, one of the things that we have to realize in this time, 
where we are all together in our homes, with our families, with the people. If, if there's still children in the home, you are, you are there, which means you're like really there. And, and because of that, because of that, listen, it is a great opportunity for you and I to grow in sanctification. In other words, it's a great opportunity for you and I, for God to do something on the inside of us. One of the things that I've learned is that God is not only wanting to work through us, but he's actually more interested in what he's doing on the inside of us. In other words, the world focuses on the outside, don't they? They're always putting emphasis on the externals, but... But God always puts the emphasis on the eat in the internal, on your heart. And it's interesting in this, you know, when you think about this, I, I wrote this down. Anytime you and I are looking for a miracle from God, we have to focus on what God is doing in us as well. We always, wanna, we always want to focus on the problem. God has this trait that I really don't like much. Can I say that? Don't judge me. Can I say that though? I, I don't really like this trait, but, but here's the trait. Here it is. Is that, is that in every problem that you and I are facing, it's an opportunity for him to teach us something. Wow. I wish it wasn't like that. Man, I wish it wasn't like that. But it is. In the middle of the challenges, God always has a message for us. And when I think about this, there's, a, there's, a, there's an irony. There's a certain irony to this. Because God was working in them as much as he was going to do a miracle for them. I want to say this to you. God wants to work in you as much as he wants to do a miracle for you. We, we want God to do all the external stuff. And listen to me very closely. God will do miracles that affect and shift things in our external world. Absolutely, 100%. But he wants to also do a miracle in us. He wants to teach us something. And it's so interesting when I look at this, I began to think about why did he delay? The guys come to him and say, Jesus, they're out of wine and, and uh, we know what you're, you know, your mom's told us that you, you, know, you do things and, 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 and you could really help them out here. And uh, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of disappointed people, Jesus, around. And, and Jesus, a matter of fact, you, you, see, you, see these, you see these empty wine bottles? Can you just, if, I mean, she said you really, you, I mean, you can do the stuff. So can you just fill up those wine bottles real quick? Can you just do that real fast? Can you just, just, just speak something? Can you do that? Oh, man, wouldn't that have been wonderful? Woo! I mean, how many times do we, we're in a crisis and we, we say, God, just do it. And God, let me tell you, sometimes he does that just bam, just like that. But, but more often than not, there's often a process involved. So he tells the guy something. He tells them something because he's working in everybody. And he tells them to do something that really, it doesn't make sense. Look at, look at verse six. I'm just going verse by verse through this thing. This is so important because of where we are. I'm telling you, God is working in you. God wants to work around you, yes. God wants to work through you, yes. But God is working in us. God is doing something in our character as a people, as a community, as a church. I'll go so far as saying as a nation and globe. God is wanting to get our attention and work in us. God is working in us. Yes, we need to use wisdom. Yes, we need to push back and pray against the assaults of the enemy. Absolutely. But 
We also need to say, God, what are you talking to us about that you want to do in us? Look at verse 6. This is so interesting. Now there were set six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Think of this. Now they've got these empty water pots and they would have water pots often as you'd go into different ceremonial uh, moments, whether into the temple and different holy places, you would, you, would, you would wash your hands. And it was very important in how they would wash their hands. It was very important how they would be cleansed and <clears throat> they would go into these different environments. And Jesus pointed them over to these water pots and here's what he told them to do. Now remember, he could have just, he could have just spoke the word and all of those empty wine bottles could have just filled up. Whatever they were storing it in, whatever it was, some leather satchel, I don't know, but boom, but, but he, he told them to do something differently. He says, now there were these six water pots. And why were there these water pots? And why are we going to these stone water pots? And what are we doing? And, and, and why are we doing this? And, and, and I bet you they, now, now I'm adding some stuff, but I bet you they thought to themselves, hey, Mary, Mary, like just tell them to do the stuff. Why is he telling us to go fill up these water pots with water? This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? There's something, there's something about God working in our lives in the delays. There's something about, it's not a denial. Delays are not denials. Delays are delays. Delays are delays. Because in the delay, God is working in us. God is purifying our hearts. God is dealing with our character. He's dealing with our selfishness. We're having to serve people like extra lately, have you noticed? Those in our home, we're having to, we're having to know and prefer and we're having to, to go to extra measures of because we're, we're, just, we're just like all together like all the time. And how I many you know, that's a lot. <laughs> but God's working on us. Fill up the water pot. Fill up the water. Mary, are we doing the right thing? I mean, what are, just, we're doing what he said. He's your son and we're just doing this thing and we're just filling it up. We're filling it up. We're filling it up. Every time there's a delay in the Bible, it's because God is working on the inside just as much as he's working on the outside. He's working on the outside, don't misunderstand me, and he wants to do that. But this is the hardest place to work, on the inside. The book of James says, let patience have its perfect work. God is working in us. So here's the point. If you and I are going through something difficult right now and it seems as though Jesus is not responding to us very well, it may be because he's talking to us about us. He's going to deal with the problems, but he's talking to us about us. Number three, and I'll close. Number one, if we want to see the miraculous in our lives, we've got to do what he says. We've got to do what he says. Obey his word. Obey that inner prompting of the Holy Spirit, the inner witness Paul talks about of the Holy Spirit. Number two, we got to seek out what God wants to do in us, and we need to listen for his lessons. And number three, and I'll close, we've got to keep believing for the impossible. We've got to keep believing for the impossible. And I would encourage you, I would encourage all of you to keep believing for the unbelievable. What is unbelievable to man is Believable to God. What is impossible with man? Oh man, that's easy for God. In other words, I, I want to encourage you to be a people who trust God for big things. Trust God. Number one, we're obeying God. Number two, we're, 
recognizing what he's doing in us in the delay. But number three, look at this. John chapter two, verse eight, nine, and 10. We'll just finish up here. I hope this is encouraging you guys. The Bible says, and he said to them, draw out, draw some water. So now they've got the pots. So now they've, they've, they've recognized they've had a challenge. They've gone to Mary. Mary said, whatever he says to do, do it. They're filling up these water pots. These filling up these purification pots with water, not with wine, but with water. And watch what happens here. This is so cool. He said, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants had drawn the water new. Oh, they knew all right. They knew something supernatural happened. And he said to them, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. What a miracle. This is huge. In other words, there were some people who got it and some people who didn't. You know, that's how it's always going to be. Those guys, man, they, they got it. Those guys got it. What a privilege. What a privilege to be invited and to participate in God's miracle. And God is inviting all of us because he loves us, because he cares about us. He's inviting us in, my friend. He's inviting us in to what? To participate. They go to the master of the feast. That's the person. That, that, they didn't have it. That master had no idea what was going on. But those guys knew. God's going to do some miracles in your lives. And maybe your family members, they have no idea. Or maybe some friends and you're calling, you're texting. Or everybody's on Zoom calls now. And, and, and they don't know. But, but you know. You know exactly what took place. Matter of fact, as, they, as, as, as all this took place, they... Some of the people understood it, but some didn't. And I, and, I, and, I, and I just want to say this. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you guys to believe the unbelievable. Don't limit God. Don't limit God in this time of what he can do in us. But don't limit God of what God can do through us and what God can do around us. It starts on the inside, but then it goes to the outside, and then it moves around us. I love that scripture in Mark chapter 10, verse 27. I just want to build your faith right now. I want to build your faith that you keep believing, that you stay strong in God. Mark chapter 10, verse 27, but Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. I want to say this, sir, not with God. Your situation, it may look impossible from natural eyes, but not with God. Not with God, for with God. I love this man, for with God, all things. Everybody say all things. All things. All things are possible. Jesus saved the best for last. What looked like a catastrophe turned into a supernatural blessing from God in a miracle. God is the great turnaround artist. He can change things if we'll trust him. God is the one. God is the one that can take what the enemy meant for evil, like that song, and he can turn it around for our good and his glory if we'll trust him, if we'll be people of faith, if, we, if we'll be people that, that, that keep filled with optimism of God's word and God's spirit, keep your home filled with worship. Keep preaching tapes on. Watch us online, Facebook Live, all the downloads. I, I'm trying to do little encouragements on my Instagram. 
I'm trying to do them on, on, on Facebook. I just started this two weeks ago where I, I'm just, I want to get as much content out to encourage you guys to build your faith. Why? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know how doubt comes? By hearing uh, and hearing all the negative opinions of men. Yes, we need to be informed. Yes, we need to take precautions. But don't you lose being a man or woman of faith. Stand in faith. Trust God. And you too can participate in a miracle. Maybe you don't need a miracle, but maybe somebody else does. Whatever God tells you to do, maybe it's to call somebody right after this, right after this service. Maybe it's to pray a prayer over them. Maybe it's to get on a Zoom call and to stretch your hands out and say, man, I'm trusting God with you for you in your situation. Would you bow your heads? I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. I'm going to close in prayer. And I sense the Holy Spirit here right now in such a wonderful way. If you do not know Jesus, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, if you're not sure that you're right with God, I'm going to pray for it. With everybody bowing their head right now, all those of you that are on Facebook Live and online, if you'll just take just a moment right now, those that are watching on their phone, maybe on the Church of the King app, this is a holy moment. Jesus, we come before you right now, and we thank you, God. We thank you how much you love us, how much you care for us. Jesus, you are in the healing business, but you're in the saving business to start. If you're in this place, and or wherever you are joining us, maybe around the world, and you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus, You're not sure if you die today that you're ready to stand before God. I want to pray for you. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? In just a moment, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. If you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me, to cleanse me, and to make me new. If that's you, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high. Come on, hold it up high. Don't be ashamed. Yes, you're saying, I need Christ. Now, let me pray for you. I'm going to pray for all those that are responding to Jesus right now. Let's pray this prayer together. Come on. You repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I come to you today a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me, for shedding your blood for me. Come into my life. Make me new. And I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Amen. If you prayed in that prayer to trust Christ, I want to let you know, man, let your host online know. Let people on Facebook Live know. We're here for you as a church. We'd love to encourage you in your faith. We'd love to teach you. We're going to be putting content all week long just to build you up in God.